worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by, for someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm so ready. I'm really excited. I've been thinking about this shit all week. I hope that I don't fuck this up. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> I you told never you in, in writing this, I feel like it's just very different. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Okay. I got it. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Step into our parlor and sit for a spell. The ladies of Macabre have a fun little story to tell. My name is Holly. I'm Blair. And this is Macabre. Welcome back. (laughs) Hello. Why, hello there. (laughs) Well, hello there. So on today's episode, I just want to start by saying it's going to be a little bit different than what we have done in the past. This one's going to have a little bit more, hopefully a little bit of lightheartedness to it, a little bit more fun, and we are focusing on the letter I. So today's episode is I for idioms. Yes. And people are probably like, what are idioms? (laughs) (laughs) So to me, idioms are basically the things that we say, the phrases that we say that we don't actually even know what we're saying, right? They're just things Mm -hmm. that we say. We don't really give it a second thought, but they actually have some very dark origins. So we're going to get into some of the phrases that we say that I think just have really interesting backstories on today's episode. (laughs) I can't (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to start with one of my favorites from this episode. And Blair, we we talked a little bit about this offline, but Mm -hmm. we're first going to start talking about the phrase blowing smoke up someone's ass because... (laughs) It turns out that blowing smoke up someone's ass isn't just about flattery. It was an actual thing that people did in the Victorian era. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Damn those Victorians. I know. They always had the craziest ideas. So blowing smoke up someone's ass was actually a sanctioned drowning resuscitation method in the 1800s. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're already imagining what this probably looks like in your head. And I'm going to get into the details, so don't you worry. It's uh, it's going to get graphic. <laughs> oh, I'm like picturing a Monty Python episode. Somebody's sitting <laughs> ass up on the beach and blowing. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's even better than that. So, oh, yes. It, this was very popular in Britain, and it was actually promoted by the British medical community as a sanctioned way to revive people. And the way this was done is these kits use tobacco as a way to stimulate and warm the body because we know tobacco is a stimulant, right? 
Mm -hmm. So they had this idea that if you administered tobacco to someone who was in a sedated state, that it might be able to revive them. (laughs) And, you know, you can't just go straight into the mouth. You got to have like a more direct line (laughs) of administering this. So smoke enema kits were available for purchase over the counter. And the reason being, there were so many people that drowned in the Thames River. There were a lot of boating accidents on the river. There were just people that were wandering the streets that were drunk and clumsy and people that were, you know, trying to commit suicide. So there was enough drownings that this was like a thing that people just carried around with them in the event of an emergency. Damn. And not... Not only that, but there was an entire society built for the purpose of reviving drowning victims because there were so many drownings. And I'm going to tell you the name of this society, and it's completely ridiculous, as you would imagine. It was called the Institution for Affording Immediate Relief to Persons Apparently Dead from Drowning. And... If you put that acronym on a t-shirt, it would be T-I-A-I-R-P-A-D-D, which I think we should do and put it on a Patreon shirt. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. (laughs) Just says the Institute for Affording Immediate Relief to Persons Apparently Dead from Drowning. (laughs) Wolf, that is a mouthful. It totally is. But it's also very British. (laughs) Very. I love the Brits. I love the Brits. I feel like. If I was going to live anywhere, that would might that might be my next, um, and, and maybe in another life, perhaps, or maybe in a previous yes. life. Who knows? Me too. Oh, and, I want to go there so bad. And this association of people, they were better than your average neighbor neighborhood watch. Okay, they would literally walk around along the banks of the Thames with their smoke enema kits in hand, just waiting to blow smoke up someone's ass. You know, they're like, this is what I'm here to do. This is my superhero moment. <laughs> Blowing ass. And you might ask, how did they actually do this? So this apparently dead drowning victim would be pulled out of the water. All their clothes would be removed because, well, you can't use an enema kit without getting access to their nether regions. Mm-hmm. The victim would be thrown over a barrel. I assume a barrel that's been turned on its side, the body would be draped over. And in this position, the barrel against their like diaphragm would act almost like a Heimlich maneuver and it would help compress the lungs, which would help force the water out. If a barrel wasn't available, they would just put them on their stomach on the ground. And then the enema tube would be stuck up their butt. The tobacco fumigator would be struck And then they had these bellows that they would (laughs) activate and just pump the smoke into someone's bum to try to revive them. (laughs) Can you imagine? Insult to injury. If you end up falling into the Thames and you think it's the end. And then when you wake up, you're naked and And there's something going on on your end (laughs) and you suddenly feel very high from tobacco yeah oh oh yeah 
what's worse about the whole process is that they didn't always have these handy bellows and and uh, enema tube. They initially oh, no. used a pipe. <laughs> what? And which means that this process was a manual process in which you had to <laughs> place your lips on the pipe and blow the smoke up their butt yourself. And if you by any chance happen to breathe in accidentally, there was a really good chance that you were going to inhale fecal matter, bacteria, oh. who knows what. And obviously, during this time frame, we're talking about a lot of disease. Mm-hmm. Catching cholera mm-hmm. from doing this would, was very a very much real possibility. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah. So, and what's even worse is that it didn't actually work. I don't think there was ever one person that was even revived by doing this. But they, for whatever reason, they thought administering like mouth to mouth was gross and dangerous. <laughs> and so they came up with this other method, which didn't actually work. And turns out they ended up going back to artificial respiration anyways, which we know works because we use it today. And mm-hmm. um, midwives were actually using it at the time to revive babies when they were born. Um, So eventually that was adopted and the smoke enemas were, were finally dropped. And so then now we have this idea of blowing smoke up someone's ass is just an, a compliment that really doesn't go anywhere. It's complete flattery because the real technique didn't actually work. (laughs) Who was like, Oh dude, Lips are nasty. We shouldn't be kissing. Let's <laughs> shove something up somebody's ass and start blowing. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. And then a part of me was like, because of how prim and proper everything was back then. Yeah. If a woman drowned, did they just like, that was it? Was this only done on men? Right. I, I don't know. That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, regardless, it didn't work. So <laughs> Right. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> um, and the next one, since we're already talking about dead people, and this is t- tends to be a lot of what we talk about on Macabre, we actually talked about this before, Blair, a little bit. I don't recall if it was in a main episode or if it was in one of the bonus episodes, but Skeletons in the Closet, mm. that is pretty yes. simple. It really is what you think it is. Uh, the origin of skeletons in the closet came from the days of body snatching, which we covered in episode C. C is for cadaver. And it basically was because, you know, people were stealing corpses from graves for the use of medical dissection. Mm-hmm. And they often kept them hidden in closets, water closets specifically, uh, in the event that someone came to the school for an inspection. So having skeletons in the closet was not unusual, and it meant that they had a secret that they were keeping. So, A very literal idiom. (laughs) Can you imagine you're, like, visiting the school, say you're one of the inspectors, you're like, I really need to use the restroom. (laughs) 
was literally just thinking that. And then you go in and you're like, oh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Somebody weakened at burnishing it in the water closet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're like, I didn't know there was anyone in here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah. And, and for people, if you haven't listened to see Is for Cadaver, definitely go back and listen to that. But um, prior to the Anatomy Act of 1832, Medical schools didn't have enough corpses to supply their students, yada, yada. So um, they were just putting these corpses wherever they could hide them in large numbers. They also um, defaced the corpses as soon as they came in, removing, a lot of times removing their actual face so that they couldn't be identified. Um, so pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. If you haven't mm. listened, definitely go back. Yeah, you should. There was a lot to unpack in that episode. I realize a lot of the idioms today actually do come from the Victorian era. I mean, they're just, there was a lot of shit going on during that time. <laughs> so <laughs> there was. The next one is actually um, pulling someone's leg, which this one's pretty oh. simple. It's oh. just, you know, now we use the phrase today. As like a, we're joking, we're gesturing, you know, we're pulling a prank on someone. But back in the day, it originated with thieves in uh, the 18th and 19th centuries in London. And thievery was such a problem that people would just, you know, m like mob attack people and drag them to the ground in order to steal their shit. So that's where they, Damn. they would pull them by the legs and drag them along the ground and steal their stuff. Oh, no thank yeah, you. you. You weren't safe in your home. You weren't safe in the street. <laughs> you couldn't go for a leisurely stroll by the Thames. Nope. You could go anywhere. You could have a lot of this stuff happen to you simultaneously, actually, now that I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> you go off for a walk on the Thames and boom. Getting yep. robbed. Getting robbed. Then you fall in. You drown. Yep. Someone tries then... to revive you. It doesn't <laughs> work. And then you end up in somebody's closet. Yep. Ooh. And what percentage next... of people actually had oh. that entire montage happen? Probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Probably a lot. And the next one we talked about, too, you you spoke about in um, the A is for Arsenic episode, the phrase mad as a hatter mm -hmm. came from the Victorian era. And when we say someone's mad as a hatter now, it's we mean that they're acting crazy or unpredictable. But if you listen to the first episode, then you know that it originated with hat makers who were exposed to chemicals like mercury and um that was used in the process of curing the hat felt, which would cause the hat makers to drool, to have the shakes. They would mumble to themselves. Mm -hmm. They would act like extremely paranoid. It caused their hair to fall out. They mm -hmm. got muscle twitches. Am I missing anything so far? Uh, the only other thing that seemed to be really common was like abdominal. <laughs> Wow. It made you slow your speech. Yeah. See, that's one that of the too. things. <laughs> and uh, and stomach pains and digestional issues. Yeah. Yeah. 
all the bad things. And what's so crazy about this whole idea of using mercury in the hats is it wasn't even banned in the U.S. until 1941. Yeah, that's crazy. That, so, that's pretty recent if you think yeah. about. Oh. Yeah, pretty crazy, right? And then the next two... Again, I guess you could still consider this is still the Victorian era, but these two idioms originated in the Civil War. And the first phrase is the word deadline. Are you familiar with this? Mm-mm. Okay, perfect. I love when you don't know things so then I can <laughs> share them with you. There's a lot so, of So <laughs> deadline, um, of course, everybody knows the, what deadline means now it means yeah. that you're you're on a limited amount of time to complete a project or a goal a lot of times related to work mm-hmm. if you're a fan of office space you might remember <laughs> you know it's time to turn in those tps reports with those updated yeah. <laughs> covers peter we're on a deadline um <laughs> but the word deadline was coined during the civil war in 1864 during times of conflict there was essentially a do not cross line that was circled around makeshift prisons. And the guards were told to shoot and kill anyone who might, you know, pass over the line, try to get under the line. Basically, anybody who got anywhere near the line would be shot. And it was um, attributed to a very cruel Confederate army officer by the name of Heinrich Hartmann Wurz. And people who knew Wurz said that he was wickedly pursuing his evil purpose and did establish and cause to be designated within the prison enclosure a deadline. Basically, he coined this phrase and gave orders to anyone who might even sneeze on the line to get shot. Holy shit. So he was he was all business like no one leaves. Um, and then by the 1920s, the word deadline was adopted into journalism jargon, which means a time limit. And we still fear that phrase today. Oh, do we ever? Oh. But I get a lot more done, I think, when I have a deadline, to be honest. Same. But again, it invokes <laughs> that fear of like, ah, you need to get this shit done now or bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So Ooh. it works. Might be worth doing an episode on Heinrich. He does sound really familiar. Be interesting to yeah. see how he ended up in the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so many macabre things. And, and even like when we pick out these little breadcrumbs, there's always so much more to the story. I know. We can always expand later too. Like you said, it would be yeah. kind of fun. Um, the next one originated in the Civil War, and you're going to know, like, immediately, bite the bullet. hmm <laughs> It's very literal. It's yeah. very literal. Um, this came from when emergency amputations had to be done on the battlefield. And, you know, I, you see in, like, movies the soldiers biting down on, like, pieces of wood or, like, a leather mm-hmm. belt or whatever. But when they didn't have anything handy, like, right then mm-hmm. and there, they would grab a fucking bullet and have them bite down on the bullet. Mm. And that just makes my teeth hurt 
when I think about it because like your, I feel like your teeth would break. You would bite down so hard. Um, but yeah, when we say say bite the bullet, we mean we're taking one for the team or we're making a decision we don't really want to, but we have to totally, Mm -hmm. totally when you're getting your leg cut off, you do not want to have to bite the bullet, but. Oh, Mm. we're going to talk about amputations at one point as well we have a surgical theater episode coming up later in the year we do that will be a time i'm really interested to see how that oh well yeah and so much of it as crazy as it is was necessary for it's again it's that necessary evil in a way because mm-hmm. um you know we wouldn't have the advances that we did without some of those things i feel really awful for the people who had to endure a lot of that without anesthesia and i'm actually reading a mm-hmm. book on i think it's uh, pronounced mutter like the mutter museum but it's the oh. doctor mutter yeah yeah and how he changed um how he changed surgery and there's the butchering art i'm reading that as well so we'll get into all that later but it's just fascinating stuff very this next one though um i'm just gonna have you take a guess have you heard of the phrase cat's got your tongue i have do you have any thoughts on where you think that might come from um i have heard a story about it um and i don't know if it's true or not but the story i heard was in facilities back in the day where they would hold tortures they would cut out people's tongues and just throw them and like the cats and rats that would be in the torture chambers would just grab them and start eating them so that's interesting. I did not pull that story out, but something similar. So that's Ooh. awesome that you you had that because it's a little different than what I have. Um, I have three different possible origin stories. All oh, of them awesome. are dark. Yeah. So the first one has its place in maritime practice. Again, in the 18th and 19th century, the British <laughs> Royal Navy was the ruler of the high seas. And it was very common that if a crew member misbehaved or made a serious mistake, they'd be flogged as punishment by the cat of nine tails. This torture device was a lot like um, the Indiana Jones whip, Mm -hmm. smaller, but it had a handle and it had nine different ropes that were either made of leather, like leather straps, attached to the handle or um, it could have been made of rope and each one of the strings had at least three knots on it. Mm -hmm. And so basically, and I'm sure you've seen like the movies, I think they even used it in Hunger Games, but the captain would punish the sailor by hitting them either on the bare back or the chest anywhere from five to a hundred times. Oof. And so those little like knots would just dig in like razors and the skin would split open. Um, The origin story says that 
the punishment would also be inflicted on someone who had told a secret that was intended to be held in confidence. This would ensure that uh, the person would remain silent in the future. Hence, cats got your tongue. Hmm. That is interesting. I hadn't heard that one. And they made another one for kids. It was like five strings instead of nine. You can look that up. I think I have an image somewhere that I'll post uh, probably in like the show notes or maybe on the Patreon. Oh. So there's one with nine and one with five. And the five one they would use on like younger kids. That is fucked up. Yeah. And then this one is similar to I think kind of what you were saying a little bit, but um, actually the next two are somewhat similar. This one takes place back in Middle Ages mm-hmm. when people believed in witches and familiars. Mm-hmm. Black cats were seen as evil, which I love black cats. They get a really bad rap, but <laughs> I own back one. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me so sad that people have such a negative I don't know, idea of black cats. I, I think they're awesome. They are. Go adopt a black cat. People, Do if you it. need a cat, go get a black. They're less adopted than all the other cats. They are. And they um, need your love, no matter how derpy they, they are. They do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is quite derpy. <laughs> um, but yeah, at that time, they they thought that black cats did the bidding of witches. And the idea was that a witch would steal your tongue so you could not speak ill of them. Or report them to the authorities. So that was another possible origin. And the last one goes much further back into the Egyptian culture. To a time when cats were worshipped by the Egyptians. And in those days, if you spoke ill of someone that was in power. Or you spoke against the politics. Or even just pissed somebody off. Um, they would cut your tongue out and then feed it to the nearby cats. So people would witness that. And then, yeah, that's where possibly the origins of Cats Got Your Tongue came from. Regardless of what you believe, all of them are dark. So Yeah, all of them. Those are interesting, though. Yeah, yours, I totally torture. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's potentially many different origins for that one. All of them. The next one, the next one is um, goes back to the Viking times, paying through the nose. Ah, yeah. And we talked about this earlier. I love thrift stores. I do not Mm -hmm. like to pay too much for things, and I also think there's so much shit. So many things in the world and trash and like waste and yeah. So I like to shop local and I like thrift stores, but I don't Heck like yeah. to pay through the nose. Nope. So back in the day during the ninth century, when the Viking Danes conquered Ireland, they imposed tax on the people. In this particular story, it's said that the Vikings counted each person by counting their noses. And they put, like, a ridiculous amount of tax on these people that they were required to pay. And if they didn't pay up, the story goes that the Vikings would slit their noses open. Ooh. And 
of course, when you do the research, some people say that the last part was just, you know, exaggerated for fear factor Mm -hmm. and that it was just, you know, added to the story just to keep people in fear. But I don't know. The Vikings did a lot of crazy shit, so I wouldn't put it past them that that was actually true. (laughs) Same. They, mm. and that even, that even seems tame for them. It does. You know, (laughs) but I could see that being a real thing. Which we're going to cover a Vikings episode too later this year. Hell yeah, we are. So that will be, that'll be a fun episode. It will. There is so much macabre with the Vikings. Yeah. So much. Well, this next one will be a much longer story. I saved it till the end because it does have a lot more substance to it. Yes. And this is my favorite of the whole episode, so why not put it at the end? Um, And the term is, the idiom is saved by the bell. And no, I'm not talking about the classic American teen heartthrob sitcom that swept the nation's youth. (laughs) In the 80s and 90s, late 80s and early 90s, I'm talking about a phrase that in modern times, when we say it, we mean that we basically escaped a situation that was unfavorable or we managed to do something just in the nick of time. Some of the origin stories say that the phrase is from the late 19th century, uh, was used as boxing slang. So, you know, people are doing rounds and then finally like the bell rings and they get to go back to their corners or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's all fine and good. That's not all that interesting. (laughs) So I'm going to go a little bit darker and deeper. Yeah. Um, That's what we do here at Macabre. That's what we do. (laughs) So let's go six feet underground. During a time when the fear of premature burial was very fucking real. And we're going to actually talk about some cases of premature burials. (laughs) I know. It's like one of my worst nightmares, actually. Um, Cases of premature burials have been documented for centuries, dating back to the 16th century. But the fear of being buried alive known as, um, also known as taphophobia, really peaked during the 18th and 19th centuries. Here we are again, people. We're back in the Victorian (laughs) times. But I'm sure you can probably imagine why death was on everyone's minds all the time. Mm -hmm. Infectious diseases were rampant, things like malaria and cholera the symptoms of the disease made people um, catatonic and made them look like they were dead when they weren't actually dead. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a major problem. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but we just didn't have a lot of sophi- sophisticated ways of determining if a person was actually dead. So that meant that people were entombed way too early and you had to bury people quickly because again they would start to decompose there was no way Mm -hmm. to like forego that with refrigeration and embalming wasn't really widely used 
So when um, cholera and malaria were rampant, these cases of premature burials were on the rise. And if you were one of those unfortunate people who did get buried prematurely, I can guarantee you that you did end up dying eventually in a very horrific way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about one of the more famous cases. So there was this woman. Her name was Octavia Hatcher. And this Mm -hmm. took place in Kentucky in 1891. And Octavia had taken ill after the loss of her son, who had died just a few months prior. She wasn't doing well and spent a lot of time in bed, probably depression, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. But then she did start to get sick. And she eventually slipped into a coma and was not able to be awakened from the coma. She was pronounced dead from an unknown cause on May the 2nd of 1891. And that year, if you grew up in the Midwest or know anything about Midwest summers, it's (laughs) fucking hot and it's humid and there are mosquitoes everywhere. It's like basically a swamp in a way, Mm -hmm. or at least that's how I, I call it swamp ass. That is a thing that happens. (laughs) If you know, you know, if not, that means you're lucky that you don't know. Um, But if you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Swamp ass summer. Swamp ass summer. (laughs) Forget hot girl summer. Swamp ass summer. You live in the Midwest. (laughs) It's true. You have to carry around like those disposable (laughs) disposable wipes. Maybe we can get an ad sponsor for some uh, disposable wipes. wipes. Yeah. Yeah. For that swamp ass. Not only that, but the under boob sweat. Oh, yeah. That too. It's horrible. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Poor Octavia. She was pronounced dead. And because I mentioned earlier, embalming wasn't really a thing or not everybody used it. um, Octavia was buried very quickly because, you know, hot, humid summer, a fresh Mm -hmm. corpse, bad combination. (laughs) But where this thing really takes a turn is after Octavia's burial other people started showing the same symptoms, falling into what they call a sleeping sickness. And some of the people who had these same symptoms recovered really quickly and woke up. And we now know that it was the bite of a setsy fly that was the culprit of this illness. Mm -hmm. And the discovery of that connection wasn't made until many years later, like in 1917. But when Octavia's husband saw other people in the community suffering from this illness and then they were waking up, he was like, oh, no. Oh, my God. I need to go find my wife right now. So he did that. And it was um, way too late. When they opened up the coffin, they discovered, and this is a quote from a newspaper article. Her fingernails were all bloody. The lining of the coffin was shredded, and her face was all contorted. She had indeed been alive. End quote. Oh. 
So at some point, buried however deep in the ground, she awoke from her sleeping sickness and tried to tear her way out of the coffin. She scratched and tore the lining with her fingernails and ultimately died from a lack, a lack of oxygen. She suffocated, essentially. That's can horrible. you imagine her husband opening her coffin up, knowing that she had been buried alive just a few months after their son had died? That, I wouldn't be able to live with that. I, oh, no. So this type of fear of premature burial wasn't, I mean, it wasn't at all a crazy idea, you know? It was happening. Right. It was happening a lot. Yeah. Um, <gasps> and, you know, these premature burials go back further than that, like a lot further back. And I know mm -hmm. that I read this story somewhere and I tried to find it for this episode and I couldn't locate it. But I remember reading somewhere about a man who had crawled out of his grave and he was so like weak and pale that when he finally like crawled back to where his home was, his family killed him because they thought what? he was like a zombie, a monster. So they killed him. Oh my gosh. That's traumatizing. Yeah. On a lot of levels. So many levels. Oh, man. And there are just no shortages of stories about premature burials in the 18th and 19th centuries. I mean, you could probably just type it in Google and, you know, you'll have your pick of things. Mm -hmm. um, there was another one that I found that I wanted to share that took place in the late... That can't be right. Should say late 1800s. Um, another premature burial in the late 1800s. Weirdhistorian.com cited an instance from July 22nd, 1890 in an edition of the Undertaker's Journal where a woman was buried alive. And this is um, directly from the article. The body of a woman named Lavrenia Murley a peasant who was supposed to have died from hysterics. Again, oh I'm just shaking my head. I'm just shaking mm -hmm. my head. Was placed in a vault on Thursday, the 3rd of July. On Saturday evening, it was found that the woman had regained consciousness, had torn her grave clothes in her struggles, had turned completely over in the coffin, and had given birth to a seventh, seven-month-old child. Both mother and child were dead when the coffin was opened for the last time. Oh, my gosh. So the stress of coming to in your coffin caused her to have, like, a premature delivery, and they both died. Oh, my gosh. I'm still shaking my head. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I am absolutely speechless. I feel I like can't. every I feel like every time I present an episode, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know. Like I'm over here, like 
wide-eyed mouth open. I oh yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess it makes sense. And and there's also other ones. I think there's other stories of this kind of premature birth happening in other. So this is not uncommon either, um, which is just crazy to me. But that's horrible. There are probably so many more cases that people aren't even aware of because mm-hmm. you only hear about the ones where people actually bother to check, right? Yeah. You don't hear about the ones where people are like, oh, they they just assume their family member is dead and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just uh, in the U.S. that this was happening. It was happening everywhere. Anywhere where there was cholera and malaria, the the rates of premature burial would have been very high. Um, this is where the term say by the bell actually comes in this next part with this fear of premature burials looming in 1896, William Tebb and Walter Hadwin MD joined forces co-founding the London association for the prevention of premature burial. These guys in collaboration with a guy who had actually been buried prematurely Edward Vollum, MD, wrote a book called Premature Burial and How It May Be Prevented. This book is still in print today, by the way. You can actually order this book if you have an interest, if you want to learn more Hmm. about (laughs) premature burial prevention, you can give it a read. Um, I think it's safe to say that these guys wanted to make sure that the dead were undeniably and reliably dead. Yeah. Rightfully so. Um, I was waiting for the um, the bonus points for anyone who knows where that last phrase came from. What if I said it this way? Undeniably and reliably dead. No? No. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. Oh, my the gosh. The Munchkins, when they're t- talking about the, um, or is it the Munchkins or is it the Monkeys? No, uh, it is the Munchkins. It's the Munchkins, yeah. Yeah, when the witch is dead and they're trying to, like, assess it. Oh, my it. gosh. I'm such a fucking idiot. I'm like, it's ringing a bell, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am just That's a nerd. weird. No, <laughs> being a nerd is amazing. I did not know that. And I didn't know that that was taken from, oh. Undeniably and reliably really dead. dead. Um, okay, so yeah, back to the the book and the kind of the preventative method uh, methods. There were actually different coffin mechanisms that were designed to combat the sphere of premature burials, one of which was the safety coffin. And the safety coffin had a glass viewing window. It had air holes, a long tube that extended outside of the box that acted as a speaking tube, a hermetically sealed box which allowed cemetery watchmen the ability to look in on a corpse to make sure that they were dead. Could you imagine being the guy walking around the cemetery, like peeking your head, looking in the box, just looking down in there to make sure people were not alive? (laughs) If you actually did see somebody that was alive? Oh, my God. It'd be Uh, so scary. That would be scary. 
Oh, so scary. I would probably run, but then I would get somebody else to help. <laughs> yeah. Be like, hey, um, need some help There's over guy, here. That guy, he's alive. <laughs> um, live uh, dude in aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other things that they had in the box was there was a glass ball that would sit on top of the deceased person's chest so that if it breathed, the ball would um the ball was attached to like a spring type of mechanism that mm-hmm. would just basically fling the cop coffin lid open and oh. would like there was also a bell attached um to a string that the person inside could ring the bell and pull you know just kind of like jingle the string and I think that thing was designed to where it would go off for like 30 minutes. Like it would just keep ringing and ringing and ringing. Like it would trigger some kind of an alarm. Damn. For the outside. So that way anybody that was walking by could hear it. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know how long those safety coffins were actually used, but. That's what I would be interested in knowing. Cause- or like how expensive they were i tried to find it i assume that only rich people could afford it yeah exactly if you weren't rich mm. (laughs) there's a good chance he would be buried alive and suffer a horrible terrifying second death (gasps) so yeah Uh, that is where the term, the idiom saved by the bell comes from, because if you were buried and you rang the bell, you would definitely be saved by the bell. The insane world that was the Victorian era. (laughs) I think it's safe (laughs) to say after, well, we're on episode I. Yeah. Without a doubt, not the time frame I would ever want to live in. And probably if I did live, I would not have survived. Same. For long. (laughs) Same. So, yeah, this has been I for idioms. I hope you learned a thing or two and maybe a couple of things that you didn't want to know, but now you do. (laughs) You're welcome. You're going to think about these things now when you go to say those words. (laughs) (laughs) there's still the blowing smoke up the ass that one is (laughs) it might be my favorite just because it's kind of funny in a dark way right and just like how did that idea even who came up with that idea yeah yeah who was like i know i know that part of it was taken from which i don't think the indigenous populations the native americans were doing anything like that mm-hmm. but i think there was this idea that tobacco tobacco had a stimulating effect mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they thought that hey. i i think maybe being like dead and drowned and whatever makes your body cold and mm-hmm. who knows but we know it didn't work so <laughs> And it probably killed a few people in the process just because of all the stuff they would have been inhaling if they were doing it manually through a pipe. Mm. And, you know, we know the uh, hygiene habits. So how often Mm -mm. were they um, cleaning that pipe? 
And what if they accidentally used the wrong end the next time they went to go save oh, someone? No. Oh, <laughs> so gross. Oh, so gross. <laughs> yeah, I think you. There's definitely pictures of the kits. I can post that. Um, there were advertisements for it too. You know what I mean? This was a yeah. product that they sold to people's households and. Um, there's definitely pictures of safety coffins that I can share with the listeners. I will, they'll be available on Patreon, of course, because I don't really have, I don't think as many options to post the images on the podcast show notes, but yeah, Patreon be an option. Definitely. And yeah, so I guess we need to share some some uh where to find us we do there's a lot of places to find us now look out people (laughs) (laughs) we're coming for you we're coming for (laughs) you in a good way not a bad way don't be scared it's a matter of perspective at this point (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true i mean after the episode we talked about you're probably like don't come for me (laughs) (laughs) but we're here we have our own website. It's macabpod.com. And the best part about the website is you get to find out a little bit about us and you can share your stories with us. We want to hear from you. We have a little thing going called Hometown Macabre. And there's actually a little area where you can record your stories to share with us. You can record up to five minutes. Feel free to send us another one after the fact but please let us know that that is the second part of your story we want to hear from you we know that if you haven't experienced something you have heard about something or know somebody who has so don't keep that shit a secret you can also (laughs) (laughs) don't keep it a secret (laughs) we also have an email you can contact us at thatsomacabre at gmail.com We have an Instagram, and that is The Macabre Pod. Go find us there. You can find us on the Facebook group, at Macabre Podcast. And most exciting of all, we have a Patreon. Heck yeah. Patreon. It is alive, and it is real. It's alive. (laughs) Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Patreon, we got to give a shout out to our very first Patreon person, our deadly darling, Tamsin. Thank you so, so much for being a part of us. And for those of you who haven't visited our Patreon page, we do have some really special things lined up for you. We have three different tiers. We've got Freaky Friends, Deadly Darlings, and Macabre Hotties. In our Freaky Friends category, we have some special items for you. We have ad-free content, a copy of our Stiff Drinks Victorian Era drink recipes, and of course, our undying affection for you. In our next tier, we have our Deadly Darlings category you are getting ad-free content a copy of the stiff drinks victorian era drink recipe book 
Patreon episode shout out like I did for Tamsin. Shout out. Heck yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tamsin, our very first. You also get a download of the Hearst song that you hear in the beginning of our episodes. You get an exclusive bonus content for mm-mm, patrons only. It's not what you think, <laughs> but maybe it is. No, just kidding. It's really not. <laughs> it's, really not. <laughs> it's not. Don't take that for anything. It was just a joke. Maybe. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and also a book club, a place to share macabre book rec- recommendations. We're all nerds here and we want to nerd all over the damn place. So please check that out. And we have a very special offer for our top tier macabre hotties. Oh, Macabre Hotties, get at me. We got ad-free content, a copy of the, the Stiff Drinks Victorian-era drink recipes, Patreon episode shout-outs, the Her Song download, exclusive bonus content only found on our Patreon page. You get a personalized thank you video message from the, us, the Macabre Ladies, and you get the book club a place to share macabre book recommendations and and yeah special announcement yes. okay for the first five people who join the macabre hotties we actually have some artisanal handmade soap and oh, yeah. we're gonna just call that our corpse wax soap could be soap could be corpse wax but actually it's a really nice fancy facial bar that's mm-hmm. made with um, all natural oils. There's no like unnatural frag- fragrances. It's all like, you know, really good essential oils and it's tea tree and activated charcoal. So it's just a really nice facial bar. And we're going to yes. give that away to the first five people to join that tier. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. I am. I am really Really excited to see this Patreon page come to life, even though we talk about of not life on this on this <laughs> podcast. But let's have a party over at the Patreon page and give us a shout out. We want to hear from you on our website as well. Give us our give us what we need. Also, we need that interaction with you guys. We would love to hear from you. And yeah. We've got some things coming up, too. Um, by the time this episode comes out, we'll probably be getting, probably going to be, what, mid-year. Um, mm-hmm. And then for the remainder of the year, we've just got some some crazy good content that's coming for Halloween, special bonus yeah. Halloween episodes. We've got, oh my gosh, I don't know, just a lot of fun stuff planned. And mm-hmm. hopefully by then we'll have some more hometown co- macabre stories that we can share as well. Yeah. I am excited. So thanks for, you know, continuing to ride this ride, this freaky ride. Yes, <laughs> this freaky deaky ride. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. We fucking love you. Yes, we appreciate you. You fucking rock. (laughs) (laughs) 